the foundation that I have found that, that really works wonderfully for hormones, and that is the health of your gut, the health of your liver, and your sugar levels. Welcome, you're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and truths from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or fitness and fat loss to just living better and with more energy or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Hey everyone, you're on air with Ella, and today I'm joined by a guest who I've been reading for a long, long time. Magdalena Shalaki, welcome to the show. Hey Ella, thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm thrilled to have you. As I said, I've been a fan and a follower for a while, and it was just time to get you on the show. So thank you so much for joining us today. Woohoo! Woohoo! Tell us a little bit about you. I love it when the guests explain what they do rather than me reading some dry bio. <laughs> you know, I um, I run a practice called Hormones Balance. It's a nutrition practice that's dedicated to women, uh, helping women rebalance their hormones through nutrition and good sleep and a lot of self-love. I do focus a lot on nutrition and um you know, all of that came from my own experience of having had Hashimoto's disease, actually before that Graves disease, autoimmune disease that really mess around with your thyroid, as well as estrogen dominance. And I really struggled with all of those things for probably like good, mm, I want to say 15 years before I figured out what it was. I used to work in advertising and travel a lot, not sleep, drink a lot. I used to smoke and I, you know, I, I would say I, I was a good eater. That's, <laughs> but don't we all say that? 90% of women who contact me always say, I eat really well. That was me too. But there's something that we're doing that isn't quite right for us sometimes that um, our body gets so out of balance. So yeah, you know, I quit, um, I quit my job and went to nutrition school and I set up my practice and I never looked back really. Um, and needless to say, with all the changes that I made from a nutritional perspective, healing my gut, getting to sleep, going to bed earlier, obviously stopping to smoke and just, you know, doing moderate amounts of caffeine, etc., etc. That has really not only put my Hashimoto's into and grace into remission, which is not an easy thing to do when you're dealing with an autoimmune disease, but also my adrenals are much happier today and estrogen dominance is really a thing of the past now. Wow, you had a lot of challenges though. You mentioned Hashimoto's and Graves. I think you said it started with Graves. Can you tell us just like in a general overview, what is Graves disease? What is Hashimoto's? Sure. So Graves is fairly, let's say, common. It's just one out of 10 people with thyroid problems have Graves versus nine having Hashimoto's. However, the principle is the same. The immune system basically gets out of whack. It gets confused. It gets mutated, however you want to call it, and it turns around against its own body parts and start, starts attacking them. And that's the principal idea behind any autoimmune disease. If you have, say, celiac disease, which is a lot of people know about, that's when your own body attacks your own small intestine, right? And that's where you have you lose the tolerance for gluten as, as well as a lot of other foods. When it comes to Hashimoto's or Graves, the same attack now occurs on the thyroid gland. And a thyroid is a paddle, it's a, it's like a gas pedal, you know, in your body. That's what gives us a sense of energy, ability to turn fat into energy, right? And make us, you know, help us lose weight. 
help us sleep well, um, have a lot of good memory functions. And so on the flip side, basically things like brain fog and forgetfulness, hair loss, um, you know, uh, horrendous fatigue, right? It's, it's all can be connected to thyroid conditions. So basically that, that really is not the thyroid. That's, that's one of the big things that a lot of doctors do not explain to us very well is that when we have Hashimoto's or Graves' disease, it's not really the thyroid that we need to take care of. We need to take care of our immune system. Because so what if you do stuff for your thyroid? So what if you, you know, go and take thyroid medication or apply essential oils in your thyroid? If you have your immune system attacking it, right? It's like, what good is that going to do? You've got to stop the attack of the immune system. You know, when what then what we do is the predominant, the first stopping point to dealing with Hashimoto's or any autoimmune disease is really looking at your gut health. That, because that's where your immune system pretty much begins. Okay, so let's unravel this just a bit. In layman's terms, what is an autoimmune disease? It's it's a disease where the your own immune system turns around, turns against your own body parts. And like I said, in Hashimoto's is the thyroid, celiac, small intestine, MS. It's part of the brain that's you know responsible for your mobility. Fibromyalgia could be your joints and tendons and muscles. So it's, it's your own immune system attacking, launching an attack through production of antibodies on that. And, and as a result of that attack, these body parts, basically these glands or these organs start failing. Okay. And, and, you know, we have a huge increase of autoimmune diseases in this country. I mean, a lot of people don't realize that even things like, you know, innocent um, alopenia, which is, which is uh, hair loss, right? Patches of hair loss is, is actually an autoimmune disease. Rosacea, it's a form of an autoimmune condition as well. Ulcerative colitis, celiac disease. I believe Hashimoto's is the most widely uh, diagnosed autoimmune condition. What happens with it, though, is that a lot of doctors don't like to test for the antibodies, which are, you know, in order to diagnose Hashimoto's, you need to test for the antibodies for it's called tyroperoxidate or TPO in short, and anti-TGB, tyroglobulin antibodies. And they will confirm the diagnosis. A lot of doctors don't like to test for it because there is no medication that will reverse those antibodies. And so, you know, what's, um, what, what's I think is really important to remember and, and that's what actually got me into really taking a look at my own life was because I had a colleague who had fibromyalgia in my office. And and I saw her digressing, I should say, from being an incredibly vibrant and very high-level executive to doing three days a week work. And she came down to being a very junior manager level. She had to drop clients. And so her life really, she, could, she had three miscarriages and... She was finally diagnosed with fibromyalgia, which she didn't really want to address um, from a dietary perspective. And, you know, and I just saw her life just dissolving. And and I thought, oh, my God, I've got I've got it a little bit safer. It was an easier to manage autoimmune disease. But then I remember reading that oftentimes autoimmune diseases, we build them up and they evolve. Sometimes they can, we add them up, we add up more as we age. And so it's not uncommon for somebody to start off with Hashimoto's. And I don't want to scare anybody here because it's totally a manageable condition and it's not a deadly condition. But I think it's important to know is that when you have one autoimmune disease and you don't do anything about it, then you might end up in a matter of a few years adding other autoimmune diseases. And I see this a lot with my own clients or people who 
you know, contacted me five years ago and they go like, oh, you know, I'm not sure if I want to make any changes. I'm not ready to work with you. And then they contact me like five years later and say, oh my God, I just can't believe I have to tell you this, but you know, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia or celiacs or I have full Hashimoto's, etc." So yeah, so it's, you know, it's um, do something about it. I mean, that's why I guess you there are shows like yours, right, that spread the message and educate listeners to there's a lot of power that you have in your hands. And you said something that, that's very important in that regard. You said that a lot of doctors don't necessarily want to test for this because there's no magic pill to take or prescribe to fix it. Is Am I saying that correctly? Yeah, so you, today's medicine doesn't really have answers for autoimmune diseases apart from putting you on steroids. But we all, I think we all know what it means to be put on steroid treatments, right? But because of the side effects and how you look and how you feel. But when you have something a little bit more milder, right? Milder like Hashimoto's, even for celiacs, there is no real medication per se. But they, there's, you know, they, there's the only place in medicine they actually acknowledge that diet will make a change. And so they get you to have gluten. But oftentimes people with celiacs, that's not enough. But yeah, you're right. So they don't. And the way thyroid is treated in this country today is you put on thyroid medication or it's called, we call it medication, but actually it's not a medication. It's a thyroid replacement, um, hormone replacement therapy. So you're basically given a hormone to replace what your thyroid is not producing. And that makes helps a lot of people feel better. Don't get me wrong. I, I think it's, you know, if, if somebody can't think straight, it can't get off a sofa, I think it's a, it's a short-term strategy. It's a good idea to get on thyroid replacement therapy, whether it's, you know, Synthroid or Armor or whatever. But always have that long-term plan in view going, why am I thyroid not producing um, sufficient hormones? What can I do about it? How can I repair my immune system? And that is entirely within our control to do, Magdalena, right? Oh, totally. Absolutely. You talk a great deal about hormonal balance. So let's put everything under that umbrella. What are like the main, main keys if we're looking to fix ourselves, if we're looking to strengthen our immune system, if we're looking to manage some of the beginnings of these conditions or prevent them from onset, what are the big, big drivers toward hormonal balance? The foundation that I have found that that really works wonderfully for hormones, and, and that is the health of your gut, the health of your liver, and your sugar levels. Those are the three fundamental elements. And, you know, and I know there's a big tendency towards um, or fascination with things like, you know, when I have hot flashes, I would just go and do black cohosh or, you know, I'll do uh, when I have estrogen dominance, I just pop a pill like dim and, you know, and I should be done. Right. And for some people that works, you know, but I kind of I don't know, I kind of grew up with it with it with the thinking of, you know what, I. I don't want to see that leak on the roof. Like if I see a leak on the roof, I want to go and fix that leak on the roof and cover up, you know, and replace that roof or fix it rather than be slapping a paint over it. Because to me, you know, like taking black hosh when you have hot, hot flashes uh, and night sweats is, is slapping that paint on, you know, on the leak. It, what is black hosh? Is that an herb or something? Black hosh. Yeah, it is. It is an herb. Yeah. Okay. You say the name one more time. <laughs> Black Kohosh, K-O-H-O-S-H. Okay, got it. Who are we talking to primarily today? Are we talking to people who are suffering from autoimmune disease? Or are we talking to people who are going through menopause? Or can we broaden it up and talk to people who are both pre-menopausal, which is basically everyone, say, 35 and older? We are talking to everyone, really. The, the stuff that I want to share with you today applies to pretty to everyone, including women who have lost their ovaries, have lost their breasts, 
who have lost their thyroid, everything you're going to hear us talk about today that's applicable to you. All right, so let's talk gut, sugar, and liver. Now, we've talked about gut health on the show before, and we know some of the basics. We know that some of the main triggers are gluten and dairy and soy, and and the list does go on. But we know that what some of the main triggers are, and we've even talked about the elimination diet before. But why does my gut health, how does that relate to my hormonal balance? Yeah, right. So this is um, this is a really good question, right? Because most of us be like, what? What is she talking about? God, my hormones. And, and truly so, I mean, you know, rightly so. One of the things, I'm glad that you had a show on elimination diet, and I would encourage everybody to listen to that show a lot because the elimination diet really helps us to eliminate the biggest piece of substance you're putting in your body every day. And one of the things that you know, we overlook um, beyond the elimination diet is sometimes there are foods that are seemingly healthy, but they can be not agreeing with us. A good example would be eggs. You know, eggs are a wonderful food, but then 50% of people I work with see that they're actually having a reaction to eggs. That food could be onions and garlic, which are full of sulfur, and it is absolutely wonderful in helping the liver and you know, just with the detoxification and they're just so great on so many levels. But you know what? Onions and garlic, if some for some people are, are going to create a lot of gas and digestive problems. So it's really important to figure out what are your foods that you're really, uh, your body is really agreeing with. So not just reading, you know, one book and that says, oh, do this or this, do this diet or that diet, but really tuning in. And one of the tools I like to use and I encourage everybody to do, this is so simple, is to set up a journal and start writing down what you ate every day. Uh, you can enter that on your phone if that's easier, what you ate for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, what you drank, and, and then start logging your reactions to food. You will soon discover not only how much sugar there is in your diet and how repetitive things might be or your own patterns and thoughts that go along with that, but you will start seeing like, oh my God, every time I have nuts, I, I actually I start itching, you know, and so you start finding these connections to food that are uh, disagreeing with us. How does it matter with hormones is huge because one of the things that happens is when you're going, when you have experiencing these digestive problems like the bloating and acid reflux and and gas and a loose stool, um, constipation, all of those are signs of distress for the digestion. And believe it or not, that is gonna have an impact on your adrenals. It's it basically creates a stress in the body. And and stress is managed by cortisol, which is a hormone, a stress hormone that's produced by our adrenals. There's a gland on top of your kidneys. So every time, to make it simple, every time you have these, say, an episode of acid reflux or you're struggling with constipation, your body is going through stress. You might not feel it, but your digestion is. And that releases cortisol. Cortisol is a very powerful um, stress hormone, but it's also a steroid hormone. So like if you were taking large amounts of steroids that you were put on by, say, by a doctor... You're going to have a lot of reactions, including putting on weight and, you know, and your, your brain's not going to function very well. And so this is exactly what happens is the cortisol, you're basically injecting yourself with like little doses of steroid. Literally, that's what it means. The downside of that is the cortisol also downplays all the other hormones. It downplays the thyroid. It, it starts dumbing down your ovaries to produce less progesterone. The second thing with the gut health and hormones that might surprise many people, and this is pretty new age, um, like a cutting edge information, and that's something called the estrobolum. Estro as an estrogen? Bolum? 
Bolum, B-O-L-O-M-E. Okay. The estrobolum is a subset of bacteria in our gut that is responsible for metabol- metabolizing estrogens. And I know you did a brilliant show with Dr. V about breast cancer and managing and estrogen was a big part of that conversation, right? So I'm not going to be repeating that information, but did she talk about the estrobolum? No, not at all. Right. So, so here you have, you know, doing all these wonderful things like changing over your, or your skincare products, um, cleaning up your diet, you know, drinking less alcohol, all of that stuff. But then if your digestion, if, if you do not have sufficiently good bacteria in your gut, then the production of the or the metabolism of these estrogens is not as efficient. And what this results in, and this is what there's um there's a doctor in New York at the NYU called Claudia Dr. Claudia Plotel, and she does she's the pioneer on that research on estrobolum, and she says you know so she consistently sees women with poor estrobolum function having a direct correlation with breast cancers and estrogenic, basically estrogenic cancers, which is breast cancer, thyroid cancer, ovarian cancer, um, and cancer in the uterus. There is various other reasons, but I'll just leave you with those two maybe for now. And I think they're quite big. Well, let me ask you about the estrobolum because that's a bacteria. So how do we influence that? Is it by managing our gut health, then that would naturally be managed. And you're saying that when we aren't managing it or when we do let these little things build and build and build and accumulate, then that throws off our estrobolum. Like, what power do we have over that factor? Right. So we have a lot of power over it. So removing the foods will definitely help the estrobolum because one of the things you have to remember is that when you take out foods that are problematic for you, like the onions and garlic, I gave an example, but it could be really anything like avocado or nuts. These these foods will feed what we call the pathogenic bacteria. And especially when you have things like candida yeast overgrowth, right? Um, candida thrives on foods that your body is not breaking down very well and feasts on it. So it's not just sugar, but it's also undigested foods. Candida is one of the big triggers for the estrobolum to go out of whack. So estrobolum is basically a specific subset of bacteria that we find in the gut, right? And how we can repl- and we can totally replenish that. We can replenish that by introducing more good bacteria into our gut. And here we're talking about things like any fermented cultured foods, right? I'm talking here about things like sauerkraut, uh, dill pickles, you know, um, kimchi, uh, miso from non-GMO organic uh, soy, if you can tolerate soy. I, I make my own kvass, K-V-A-S-S. It's something that if you just go to my website, you will find a recipe for kvass. Um, it's a beet tonic that you just, you literally make it like in 15 minutes and just let it stand for two days. So those are some of my favorite things. And then coupled with a really good quality probiotic that is of a reputable brand, you know, that's got at least eight to 12 strands. You know, th- those are some of the, some of the things that we can do. I just want to say one more thing about the fermented foods is that, you know, I know for a lot of, People in America, especially when you say introduce fermented foods and good probiotics or good bacteria, the first thought that comes to mind is, oh, great, I'm going to continue doing my yogurt. I will just tell you right away that I, I'm not a fan of yogurts. Um, if it's a homemade yogurt or somebody makes it for you, then fine. If it's store purchased in the United States, we need to, we have to pasteurize food in order for it to be sold. And that pasteurization process 
just just that in itself just kills most of the bacteria, right? Number two problem with com- obviously with commercial yogurts, you've got a lot of times if if it's flavored, it's full of sugar. But the the bigger thing for me with yogurts is the fact that you basically a lot of women I work with have a problem with dairy, especially with lactose. Some women with casein, the protein in, in dairy, and so. And it's not just my opinion. I mean, I can tell you that right now, but that Sarah Gottfried, who's, you know, who wrote amazing books about hormones, is also also recommends to get off dairy either completely at first just to see how your body re- reacts and then reintroducing it or uh, completely cutting it out. You know, so no no yogurt. And, and then the other one that I would never recommend is kombucha. Oh, wow. Very yeasty. Very, very yeasty. And and that actually, a lot for a lot of people, it, it makes their candida even worse. So one little tip here, if you're drinking kombucha and you stop burping, your tummy starts expanding, right? So you get this extension. Or when you're feeling a little like, start feeling a little drunk or dizzy, almost like a little, you get a bit of a high. Those are all signs of actually a candida flare-up and you're not tolerating kombucha. So I'm not a fan at all. You know, Donna Gates, I, I know Donna Gates personally. Um, we often go to the same conferences. She's been on my... And I asked her about it too. I'm like, so what's your take on kombucha? She's like, absolutely not. Wow. I have wow. a kombucha addiction and I definitely bloat up after I drink it. Yeah, sorry. And so Donna Gates, who is body of ecology, and we'll link to some of her works in the show notes as well. She yeah, has- she has she has articles on kombucha. You know, you can just search for it there. Okay. I'll, mm. I'll share those. I'll share those because I know you just got a lot of people's attention. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not in a good way, I'm sure. But yeah. here, but here's the thing, Eli. I want to just um, I want to offer a substitute because I know it's easy to get it in store. More and more stores now are selling fast K V A S S. Just look at it. It's a beet tonic. Yes, I've seen that. Yeah, and you know, and it's and then beet in itself, is, I don't know, it just tastes like dirty earth, right? But. <laughs> But when you make it properly, and if you just follow the recipe on my website, and and the the ones in stores they have pretty good ones, where you can add things like, you know, a piece of orange, or you know, and ginger, and let it sit for two days fermenting on your kitchen counter is just cost, number one is gonna cost you a, really a, a friction of a cost. I mean, two three dollars, you can make like two three quarts of drinks with that, you know. You know, so it's it just doesn't come in. and it has that refreshing. You know, I explain on the website how to make it fizzy as well. So if you want that fizz, you can actually make it happen, and then refrigerate it and just have it whenever you want. So it's a good replacement. So this is K V A S S. Do you pronounce it Kvass? How are you saying it? So I know in America it's pronounced as Kva, the way you pronounce it. Right. <laughs> I pronounce it as Kvass because I'm Polish born, and in Polish and in Russian it means acids it's it's hard for me to pronounce it otherwise so i say kvass but okay i literally can't make that sound (laughs) (laughs) so just humor me as the ignorant american i'm like like i can't make that sound but what it is is because i just googled it it's a simple simple recipe for traditional russian beet kvass using beets starter culture sea salt and filtered water do you have to have the culture to get it started no actually you don't you just need salt in it um i do i do now that you say it I actually do recommend to try it once if you like it, then add one with a starter only because you are inoculating it with even more uh, bacterial and stronger bacterial flora. That's that's all that there is to it. But it, it's not a prerequisite. I like to use the body ecology veggie starter because it's it's got these really great strands, for, specific strand that's called plantarum. And then for anybody who's been recovering on from antibiotics, 
is very depleted in plantarum and it's it's a super great way of just getting your health back on again um, in no time. Oh my goodness. Okay. You've shared so much with us. Let me recap because I like to keep it simple and I want to make sure that I've got all of this. So we are talking ultimately about hormonal balance, which of course is completely tied to your thyroid health, but you've made a really important point. You've said none of that really even matters if you're not paying attention to your immune system. And the majority of your immune system we know is housed in our gut. So what you're saying here is you're saying that your gut health is so critically important and you might have a few nigs here and there, a few things nagging you. I don't know what a nig is. I think I just made that up, but you have like a few things nagging you right now where like maybe you eat onion and it upsets your tummy or maybe eggs don't sit well with you, but you know, you, for the most part, you're okay, but you ignore that. But what you're saying is that it can have a cumulative effect. So then there might be listeners out there who know this from their own experience because now maybe they're celiac and they can't have gluten at all, or maybe they now have an autoimmune condition that's been diagnosed. But you're saying that all of these groups of people are still able to start where we are with our gut and focus on things like getting more cultured foods in their diet, not being tricked by commercial marketing for yogurt in Western grocery stores. And you're saying be careful of some of the things you think are great for you, like that store-bought yogurt and kombucha. And you've given us an op- a recipe that I'll link to in the show notes so people can check it out. I'm going to try it. And that is for this tonic that we can make at home for a lot less money. And it's really, really easy. And then if you like it and it's not super hard or difficult for you, then yes, you can go and get that beverage starter culture from Body Ecology, the one that you recommend or another one, and you can ferment it. How'd I do? Brilliant. Wow. And and you did mention candida. And because I still want to talk about the liver, we don't really have time to get in, into candida, yeah. but we've literally never talked about it on the show. So I don't want to leave people wondering what on earth we're talking about. So Magdalena, what is candida and why are we hearing so much about it now where we never heard about it 10 years ago? Right. Well, because, you know, our food has changed and due to the processed carbohydrates we're eating, sugar is hiding in so many things and in, in especially United States. Uh, but also how liberally doctors have been prescribing us antibiotics, how many women are on birth control pills, which also, by the way, changes the um, the microbiome, the bacterial flora. All of those factors play a role in development of unbeneficial pathogenic uh, yeast in the gut. And that's what candida is. How do you know you have it? Some of the, the problem with candida is that it's very often underdiagnosed or undiagnosed whether you want to do it through stool tests, blood tests, testing for antibodies, all of that is possible, but I think it's really important to look at the symptoms as well. Candida is incredibly tricky because it can hide and be masked under a lot of other symptoms. And so things like fatigue or things like having, you know, poor sleep or having weight that just wouldn't go away, craving for foods, you know, can be like, well, due to so many different reasons. But there's a couple of things that happens that are pretty clear it could be candida. You know, having dinner and, and then after dinner, you feel like the meal is not complete with something sweet. 
And a lot of people I know are that way, but they are in denial about it, saying, well, it's just a habit. Let me tell you, it's not. When your body is asking for sugar, it's asking for it for a reason. Things like having white coating on a tongue, you know, especially first thing in the morning, you stick your tongue out, it's like, whoa, covered, white, especially towards the back there. A lot of respiratory problems, believe it or not, things like having sinus infections, um, stuffy nose, itchy ears, oftentimes, in fact, I was reading somewhere in paper that 70% of men having um, respiratory problems because of candida. And of course, with women having vaginal discharge, it's yeast-related vaginal discharge, then that could also be candida. So look at the symptoms. In fact, just one more thing, Ella, I want to leave your listeners with, because I think that can be super helpful, and that could really be the answer to years and years of years of people's problems that, that just go undiagnosed and you are like left with this big mystery of what's going on with my body is you can do something called the candida spit test. And I'm not going to explain the details. You can do this at home first thing in the morning. It doesn't cost you anything. And there is some criticism over the effectiveness of the test. I have actually found it to be more accurate than not. So so just Google candida spit test and, um, and you'll see how to do it. Do it. And I don't know. I, I feel like it works. Okay. And if someone were choosing between a stool test and a blood test because they didn't like what they saw with their spit test results, which do you recommend, stool or blood test? All of them, actually. All of them. Yeah. You don't want to be led into a false negative, you know, that, oh, it's not showing up, so I don't have candida. And you really, I mean, and the other thing to do is just to cut out sugar for a week in your diet completely and see how much better you feel. You know, if your tummy gets flatter, you lose suddenly out of the blue, like five pounds in one week, then what else is it? You know, if you just took out sugar, right? So this is very interesting. And now, now we got to keep going because you've really got, this is very interesting stuff. So if you cut sugar for one week, then you're not feeding the candida. Is that right? Yes, correct. Okay. And so does that include fruit? Right. So when you do, when I work with candida cleanses with people, we cut out all the fruit except for having a serving of, sorry, half a serving of berries every day at the most. So berries are very low glycemic index. So very low in sugar. So that's the only thing that will be allowed. But you take out temporarily. I mean, you know, I never believe in deprivation. But if you want to get rid of candida, like you're going to suck it up and do it. Right. Um, and there is deprivation when you do a candida protocol, period. But once you do it, you don't have to do it again. In my protocol, I don't use any fruits and as well as no root vegetables and so no beets, no... Kvass is okay because the sugar doesn't go into the, into the, the juice. Um, okay. But beets, carrots, um, sweet potatoes, potatoes, um, those those things are out temporarily. Yeah. So no starches, that must go without saying, no starches, and then no root veggies and very limited fruits, really just half a serving of berries, blueberries or raspberries is what I'm hearing you say. And I, I imagine yeah. lemon is okay. Oh yeah, lemon is great. It's very alkalizing and yeah, it's great. Okay, what about grains? You know, again, it, it kind of depends on the person. Um, if you can tolerate grains, then I would say a whole full version of a grain, full grain, <clears throat> whole grain is fine. Having a serving a day, no more than that. Uh, nothing processed. So even if it's gluten-free, if it's um, if it's flour-based, then it's a definite no. Flour is a processed, processed food, period, right? Right. So that's actually a great distinction because a lot of people think whole grains, because we've been conditioned to think this way, whole grains equals, you know, brown bread. And that's not true. What you're really talking about is 
rice, maybe, maybe quinoa, maybe millet. I don't know. I don't want to speak for you, but not, no. not bread and not things made with flour. Correct. All right. I think people are going to be interested because what we're doing right now is we're not describing a healing protocol. We're describing a great way to test to see if this is something you're suffering from. And the reason why we're ending up spending time here is because A, it's fascinating, and B, so many people have this condition and they don't know it. Isn't that true, Magdalena? No, absolutely. It's You know, in my practice, I see 70% of women who come to me. I'm not saying that's what the whole population is, because I don't work with women who are healthy, right? I only work with women who have a problem. And I see 70% of women who come to my programs to have candida some degree or another. That's huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so what I want to do is I will I want people to check out on the site. I'll actually put a little bit more information on the website at onairwithella.com. You can just search by this episode number or Magdalena's name. I will put in there the links to the things that you mentioned, like the spit test, and then any information you have on your site about candida and what a great way to just test for one week just do a little self-diagnosing and just see if you feel materially different after cutting out sugar and fructose and starch if you actually feel better by the end of the week i mean then you know whether or not you should consider spending money on this test or take the free spit test and go from there but this is really really interesting i just love empowering people Mm. to put these decisions in their hands right right And your doctor, if you go see your doctor, you know, he or she is not going to be like, well, let's test you for candida. Like that's just, that's just not what's happening when you go to see your, your regular doctor. Can I just mention one more thing about candida? Cause I think this is huge. Magdalena. In fact, this is so interesting. What I want to do is let's just bring you back on about the liver. How does that sound? Yeah, sounds good. (laughs) Cause there's so much more. I have so many other questions that are popping up. Yeah. So, you know, one more thing I want to mention about candida, which we want to give as a piece of information, especially for women who are thinking about having a child or who are pregnant currently is that it's super important to clear out candida before you deliver a baby. You know, as you know, there is a huge increase in number of autistic children, children with ADD, ADHD, and there's various factors involved. And I don't think there's any single one thing that's causing that increase, whether, I mean, some people argue it's, you know, we are diagnosing people better now. I don't think that is true. You know, I don't, I don't remember seeing having as many neighbors and friends with autistic children as we have now, right? It's, I mean, obviously autism is a hugely sensitive topic. And and I know this is gonna ruffle some feathers here, but one thing I would wanna, I feel like it's really so key to talk about is the the health of the mother's vaginal uh, flora, which is actually the reflection of our digestive flora, believe it or not. So what's in your vagina? Like if you have vaginal discharge, it's very likely it's because you have candida in your gut. And your child, when the child is born, right? If it's if it's a natural birth, um, natural birth, it, the child is sterile when it's our it's in our womb, right? And it's only the first gasp of bacteria that it gets is from us. So we are literally inoculating a child with the bacteria from our vaginal canal and our, and our liquids, our fluids, right? And that's what gets into the child. So now if the woman has candida, she passes on that candida to that child. And, and, you know, and we know now a lot of, there's a huge connection between the health of the gut and the connection to the, to the brain. People who are, I mean, autistic kids, it's not, no secret. I mean, have a lot of digestive problems, a lot of high, very high toxicity, heavy metals, and there's so much else going on. It's not my area, but, you know, I think when you research that, you know that stuff. So I really want to urge everybody to really look into candida, especially if you are going to be a mother and you're planning motherhood. You know, there's a lot of things we focus on, like, 
oh, how much folate to take and which brand of supplement should I be getting my folate from and all this folate obsession. Not many people really are looking at the health of the gut uh, and how it's going to impact your child, you know? So I want to just to cover that because I see a lot of women in my community who have a lot of problems with kids, you know, so I, I just don't want anybody to feel this way. The good news is that things can be changed. You know, I work with a lot of, in fact, all my assistants, I have a team of people working with me and actually all three of them are my former clients and they all have, not all, but two of them have kids with, with learning disabilities, <clears throat> you know, and so, but, but there's a lot of things that can then be done, right? Nutritionally for kids as well. So I just, you know, there is obviously hope there's a lot of reversal that can be achieved through diet as well, detoxification for, but you know, it doesn't have to be so difficult if you prepare your body for it properly. What an interesting perspective. And I want to make sure everybody's clear on one thing. When you talk about the birth process and you talk about the baby's exposure to our bacteria through a vaginal delivery, like that's a good thing. And and I just want to make sure everyone's understanding the distinction Magdalena's making. Like that's actually where our immune, our immune system, well, as you said, that's our first inoculation, right? It's yeah. from a vaginal delivery. Yeah, absolutely. And and then it continues from there, from breast milk. You know, anybody who's interested, you can, you know, you can go and look into more of the natural birth versus C-section. And one of the things about, about C-section is that, you know, you're depriving the child of getting the mother's inoculation that we talked about, right? There are hospitals now that are on an experimental level, you know, and Dr. Perlmutter, who wrote this amazing book called The Brain, uh, the Brain Maker, and he said, you know, there are now hospitals that actually, when the baby is delivered through C-section, then the vaginal fluids of the mother would be then put into the child's mouth to inoculate her, you know. So there's, there is, I mean, there's a recognition that's really, really important. Um, and by the way, there's this great documentary on Netflix um, called, I think it's called The Business of uh, birth or delivery or something like that. Just if you just look it up, it's just like what it is as women we've been deprived on when C-section happens. The you know the oxytocin that doesn't develop the same way when you have a natural birth, and it's almost like a factory on a you know conveyor belt. The way they treat women in hospitals with delivery. Anyway, I know we're going a little bit off topic, but all of that is you know it's, it's part of being a woman, right? And I just I just really want to cover that. So thank you for letting me. <laughs> Absolutely. And I will look that up so people can look into that if that's a topic of interest to them. And by the way, some people have C-sections because they absolutely do not have a choice and they have a medical yes. emergency. And that's not yep. what is up for discussion here. What we're talking about is the just the lack of information that we have. At the end of the day, we just need to have the information so that we can make an informed choice. Your choice is up to you. But when you don't have the information, that's when you're missing out. Let's not be afraid of the information and let's embrace it and then make our own decisions. Um, Magdalena, thank you for that. I don't mind a rabbit hole at all. Let's keep going down rabbit holes because these are fascinating. <laughs> but I still don't understand what candida is. I understand that you can get it, this imbalance, because of our diet, like a diet heavy in processed food, or maybe a diet heavy in starchy or sugary carbohydrates, or maybe we're on antibiotics for a long time, or just one too many times, or maybe we were on birth control for decades, and that just destroyed some of the critical bacteria in our gut, and maybe it's some of all of those. But what is it? It's rich, it's literally, it's, it's a yeast, and it literally looks like a slimy matter. Like if you looked into your intestines that had candida in it, there is, it's, it's literally a white, um, slimy substance. 
some people who have a serious case of candida, they would see a, sort of a white film uh, in in their stool. That's I mean that's a di get dead giveaway for candida. That's like you can't even fight it. <laughs> Uh, not even no need to get diagnosed like you can see it right there for most people it's not visible so it literally is a white film it's it's a yeast how bacteria play a role into this and by the way we we have yeast you know all within our body i mean you have yeast on your fingers right now you know and it's normal and it's perfectly fine the problem begins is when there is too many of the bad yeast versus the good yeast the protective yeast right and candida yeast that's why it's called not just candida but it's yeast overgrowth is when it gets out of control the same way, you know, we have um, a bacterium called H. pylori that can create ulcers. And we all have H. pylori, and there's nothing wrong with that, but we cannot have too much of it, right? So it's, it's, again, it goes back to the whole idea of balance. Yeah, so it's basically yeast, and the, the, the role the bacteria play in the digestive health is that good bacteria, so things like, for example, taking probiotics, will help you um manage the overgrowth right so it's gonna temper down the yeast overgrowth like the bad guys the bad yeast guys uh from growing and multiplying too too much and too quickly and sugar on the other hand is food for it right so food feeds candida and it's like for anyone who has ever made their own beer at home or wine you know yeast needs sugar to grow right any recipe that you have yeast in it there's always going to be a touch of sugar whether it's so it's the same reaction that happens in the body when we especially when we feed it sugar and the other thing that candida does is when we have it for a very long time and it's unaddressed it, it develops a film that has creates another problem and that's absorption issues you know so here we have people who are eating really well and i know many people are trying to eat organic and spend my extra money for that kind of effort and you know they stop preparing more meals at home and that's all of that is wonderful right so we we, we want that to happen. But then imagine when you have unaddressed candida, the absorption becomes an issue. The stomach, you know, a lot of people think like, yeah, but something wrong with my stomach. Well, your stomach just breaks the food down, right? It chomps it all down, breaks it down, the enzymes are added to it, and then the digestion happens. But the absorption of all the good stuff you just ate happens in a small intestine and the large intestine. When you have that film develop on the inside of the small intestine, you know, this is when a lot of people are depleted in vitamin Bs, right? Especially like B12, you know, then you have deficiencies in iron and magnesium and I mean everything. And, you know, and this is when we then reach out for supplements going like, oh, you know, things are not working. So I need to pop up, you know, I need to stock up my, my supplements. And, you know, and sometimes it helps and a lot of times it doesn't because, again, it's the absorption issue, you know, but that's kind of interesting, right? Is that you can be eating so well, but then... Why do you have still? Why do you still have a vitamin B12? Or why do you crave chocolate? Which, by the way, is a magnesium deficiency. Um, and you know, no, there's no secret that our our glands that produce hormones need good nutrition. I mean, that's just like no brainer, right? So, like the thyroid, for example, needs iodine, right? Um, then it needs B12 and iron and selenium in order to convert the T4 hormone to T3. So the hormonal conversion. I mean, I can geek out and just keep going about what needs what. My point is that every gland needs the juice, needs the food in order to function properly, right? All right. This is such good information. I don't even care. We'll talk about the liver later. <laughs> this is really, really good information. And in all seriousness, I want to talk to you about liver health because I don't, I want to learn about it selfishly and I don't understand how much it impacts our hormonal balance. And there are ways you can sort of clean up your liver right now and give it a break right now and that sort of thing. So I can't wait to do a show on that. We will not 
when we go off air, I won't hang up without scheduling that interview with Magdalena so that we can add that to the queue. But this was really, really useful information, Magdalena, and I'm glad we got it out there. Oh, yeah, me, me too. Me too. Thanks for doing this, man. Well, I've got a lot of homework to do because I'm going to, I really want people, if we've wet their appetite, I really want them to be able to go to the site and really get some of these resources that we're talking about. So I will do that. And I have one last question on this topic. If we have candida or we're very likely to have candida, what are our options for dealing with it? First of all, I mean, you can, I think you can just Google and see what's that there's various candida cleansing programs out there. I, I think it's really important to approach it from a perspective of nutrition as well as supplements. Don't get into, you know, stocking up on supplements without changing your diet. I think that's really, really important. It goes hand in hand because what's the point, right? And that's one thing. I mean, the other thing is, you know, I, I mean, I have a whole cooking program. It's called cookingforbalance.com. You know, I teach women how to how to cook for hormonal rebalancing, and we have a one specific whole module on on the candida itself. And so, and and that works for I would say probably about seventy eighty percent of the women I work with. And it like I said, it's it's just about you know having meal plans and knowing what to eat. And you know, we talked about all the things you're not supposed to do, but then what do you do, right? What do you add? And so there's a lot of fermented foods and you know and 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 proteins and a lot of vegetables. So it never gets boring. I even have desserts, like the pudding. So that's all. That's that's one way to do it. The other way is that if you have recurring candida infections, in spite of having done protocols before, and that was me. So for that, for that, you need to work with a real expert and go into real deep protocol. If you have this kind of a recurring problems. If you're just starting off with that, then there's various different online candida protocols. If you just Google that around, you find a few practitioners. There are almost too many, though. Yeah, and you know, one thing I want to just encourage is that when you if you're purchasing a program that's like a DIY, do-it-yourself online program, make sure you have life support with it because you will have questions. And if you and I've met a lot of people in the past, they purchased the program, they didn't have life support, and then they're asking me about the program. And I can't advise because I, I, you know, I didn't devise it, right? You're saying so, make sure they have a live human to talk to in that program? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. either in the online form, you know, whether it's an online forum that you can ask the question and make sure they answer or, or a live or support line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. That makes sense. Is there any particular protocol that you've seen people get really good results with? Yeah. So my friend, um, Krista Krista Arecchio. Sure. um, Krista Arecchio. Yeah. Yeah. You know her? I do. I mean, I don't know her. I know her material. Right. Krista's program is solid and it's very informative. So yeah, that's a, that's a good resource to go to. Okay. Krista Orecchio, she's very, very good. Very talented. I will um, make sure we post that as well. All right. Wow. You've been a fountain of information. <laughs> Thank <laughs> I hope you it's not so too much. much. Well, I don't know if there's anything uh, such as too much because this was a bunch of information and everybody can rewind and listen again to the parts where they want to deep dive a little bit. And then they can just know that I did their homework for them and they can um, jump on the site and get links to everything that we've talked about, Magdalena. So I have to ask you before I let you go, first of all, where should people find you? You've shared the cooking for balance. That's cookingforbalance.com. And mm-hmm. I know your main site, I believe is hormonesbalance.com. Is that, is that your hub? Is that where everybody should go to yes. find you? Yeah. That's where all the articles and recipes are stored at. Okay, we'll make that easy for them too. That's fantastic. Now, what is one habit you would like 
everyone listening to try for just one week in line with some of the things that we've spoken about? I would just say pick one thing that just feels very attainable to you right now because this is what overwhelm steps in is when we have this list of things from a show like this so we do a summit or whatever and we've got these notes of 20 things that should be done and we're like holy crap what do I do now right and that and that's overwhelm creates paralysis and then we take no, no action so I would just say pick the one thing that resonates with you and then do this this week. I, that's what I found in the past very, very helpful when I was making changes. And a lot of my, we do this with a lot of times with my clients now is we create my action, we call it my action plan. And it's just writing down the one thing you want to do this week. And I think that just creates a little, little win because that change could make you feel better. And that's going to be a big encouragement then to try new things. What a fantastic suggestion. That can be any number of things that we've talked about today, whether it's food journaling for a few days to see how your body's responding to certain foods, whether it's trying the beet kvass recipe that I can't say but can spell. <laughs> Maybe it's reading one of the things that we post on this post with this episode to just learn a little bit more and deep dive a little bit more. That's a great idea. Thank you for that. All right. What's one resource that you're loving right now that you want to share with everybody else? Since we talked so much about digestion, I want to do a plug for Dr. Liz Lipsky with her fabulous book, the, Get the Fourth Edition of Digestive Wellness. All right, Magdalena, we'll stop there today and I will be back on the line with you and bring everyone more on liver health and hormonal balance in part two with you. Magdalena, thank you so much for your time today. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. Bye now. Okay, everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, just go to onairwithella.com where I put up links to all of the good stuff that we talked about today and more information about our guests and all the good stuff that you did not need to write down today because I got you covered. Don't forget to join our Facebook page and thanks for those phenomenal reviews in iTunes. Every great review helps and we read every one. Thanks for listening and thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.